This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, it is Wednesday, Wednesday morning. You know what that means. We bring back our favorite guest, Anna Kelly. How you doing, Anna? I'm doing great, Michael. So good to be with you. And I have to say, it was so nice last week to receive so many great comments appreciating what we do. So thank you all for that. And it makes it uh, real easy for me to, to want to be here and make it an exciting part of my week. I was glad you took the time to look because, yeah, they flooded uh, the comments of video one last week saying thank you. Thank you. So many nice things were said. So uh, that was that was fun for me to read as well. People appreciating you for the quality person you are. So that's uh, that was awesome. So, thank hey, what, you, we, what we wanted to start with today is legislative risk. Right. I think something. Yeah, I guess I'm willing to say it, right? In my 20 years of investing, this is the first time where that kind of jumped to the top of the list. I think we've always had it. I'm in California, so I probably have it more than other states. But this is the first time coming into a new environment, a new presidential term, uh, a, a state governor who's frankly anti-landlord. Uh, and I need to say, you know, what is happening? So I know you've done some research lately and maybe there's a silver lining or something. So, so what have you found? Sure. So, Michael, we've talked a little bit about as, as real estate investors, we always have to look to say, you know, what do we think is coming? Right. Mm -hmm. And so much of it has been re related to what we talked about last week. It's, it's the fear of, you know, are we going into inflation or deflation or stagnation? But while I'm looking at that and taking it very seriously, one of the things that I've been really looking at is the thought that if the um, World Economic Forum and the UN are really pushing for um, home affordability, right? Yep. And talking about putting some rent controls in place, then surely it's going to kind of trickle down into the United States. And we're already seeing, uh, you know, protections through rent um, eviction moratoriums. And there are several states who do have uh, rent caps and so or rent controls as well, they're, they're named. And so I thought one of the big things we need to look out for is what if the states or the federal government start trying to push um, nationwide or statewide rent caps, you know, how will that impact us as investors? Yep. Because if our taxes go up and in most states, taxes are going up, right? Real estate taxes, income taxes. Um, then if we can't raise our rents to keep up with those increased taxes or other inflationary increases in our expenses, then our margins could become much thinner. And those that are already lean could be so it's been something I've been really thinking about. And I finally took a little bit of time this week to, um, to look at some of the legislation that's out there. And to my surprise, Michael, the majority of the states in the United States actually have laws that ban um, rent controls. So it already is legislated that no rent control bill can pass, that people have the right to charge whatever rents they need as um, independent property owners. And so that was very pleasantly surprising to me. Um, a couple of the states that don't have caps, um, don't have legislation preventing rent caps or that already have rent controls um, are California, <laughs> New York, 
Yeah. Um, let me just look here, Oregon. And we've got DC, Maryland, New Jersey. And I think that that is it for now. Those are the states that allow it yeah. or that have rent controls already. And so there's a few other states, a little more than a handful that are kind of some cities have rent controls. It's mm -hmm. not a statewide mm -hmm. ban, so it still could happen. But for the vast majority of investors, we're looking good that there's less of a legislative risk than I thought there might be. Yeah, there's. Th this is an important avenue for us because that was definitely a, a concern that you could talk yourself into, right? So having done the research, and again, you know, five states, call it six states that have it, maybe a couple more consider it, but the, the lion's share of the U.S. is like, nah-uh-uh, state level, right, on the state, probably the state constitution, and, you know, the market will bear what the market will bear. So uh, that, is exactly. a, that is a good feeling. And I think legislation risk is important because, again, A, I've never considered it my top priority, but I over the years I've done lots of reading, and I remember when legislation risk wrecked the market in the 80s. I wasn't investing, but I must have read dozens of books on it and we still have that and whether it's legislation or like the 80s tax changes yes it's it, it could impact us so i know you know the current administration is talking about different tax changes so if we if we control the revenue line awesome but we still have you know that 1031 exchange yes you know i think i think that prevents i think any kind of structural change like like if you got rid of the 1031 exchange I think I really think you slow. I think you slow the market, right? Don't don't you think? I do that as well as um, getting rid of the low long term capital gains rates. When you if it's a double whammy and they get rid of the ten thirty one exchange and raise long term capital gain rates to be more equivalent with short term, then you could definitely some be, see some some slowing and some prices fall because you're not going to have as many investors in the game. So. Um, you know, we, we need to keep out, keep a look for what's happening at the federal level as well as the states. Mm -hmm. um, I did look, Michael, and I haven't had a chance to read through it because there were so many, but um, a friend of mine, an, an investor, he's real involved in the National Association of Realtors, and they basically put out a, um, a link to all the pending legislation related to real estate for every state. Mm -hmm. And just in Pennsylvania, for example, I think there are 67 bills proposed that could impact real estate in some way. Wow. So it's important for you as you're investing in these states. And, and quite frankly, I've never done this. I've never looked and said, what kind of pending legislation is there for real estate investors? If there is something, I usually get notified by American Apartment Owners Association or Pennsylvania Apartment Owners Association. But I'm really starting to think about, okay, the states that I'm really investing in, Texas, Georgia, Pennsylvania, for me, what is their proposed legislation? So that's something we should go out and look at. Um, you know, Google National Association of Realtors proposed real estate legislation. Um, and that way you can, can keep an eye and keep a pulse periodically on what's happening in your state and how that legislative risk could potentially impact you as an investor. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. I, I got to imagine that Gavin Newsom and his boys have some some nasty surprises for California. But thankfully, I think he's going to get recalled, or at least we'll have a chance to recall him. So uh, maybe there'll be a change at the end of the year. But back yeah. to the 1031 exchange possibly going away. I want I want people to realize what you said and why it would why it potentially happened. We, we said it would slow down the market, and really might cause price drops of of bigger properties because there's less buyers, right? And the reason that is, is because a lot of those 
all 1031s, you lever up, right? You go bigger. And if you take out the ability to go bigger with equity you already have, and if you know if you have to sell and take a tax hit, you just have less to invest. So um, yeah, you know, the bigger properties that, have less Michael. markets. Yeah. Absolutely. And not only that, but a lot of people are willing to take, you know, three or four or 5% returns on their money on class A brand new stuff because they know they're never going to have to pay a gain on that property. Mm -hmm. So when they sell it, they're just going to roll that in and continue to perpetually roll gains. So they never have to pay the taxes on it. But if you now have to pay a capital gain in the ballpark of 30, 37%, right, mm -hmm. which is what they're potentially talking about. Now your 4% returns, if it was 6% returns, it becomes four. Ouch. If it's 4% returns, it's, it's you know, somewhere two and a half, two and a half right? Yeah. So why take the risk of the headaches involved and the risks involved in real estate for two and a half percent if there's other things that I could put my money in instead? Yeah. And so people are going to start thinking about that, right? And so it's, it's not just the big guy that has to think about it. It's us as investors. If I'm going to now give away a third of everything I make, I'm going to have to have much bigger margins on my cash flow, mm -hmm. um, as well as on my back end, I'm going to have to buy it cheaper in order to profit, um, knowing that I'm going to lose a third of everything I make to the federal government. Well, I mean, just looking at today, I've, I've told everybody in my daily financial news, the one metric I'm watching, if, you know, if I only could watch one, it'd be the 10-year treasury. This morning it hit 1.42, highest since February, pre-crisis. I mean, if you're going to make 2.5 in real estate and take the risk, I mean, 1.42, close enough for me, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's getting pretty crazy out there. So, um, yeah, I think I think the good news is I took from this conversation is maybe legislation risk, again, at the state level. Again, do your research, maybe not as severe as we thought with capping the revenue line. I still think we have plenty of, I guess I'll call it tax risk, risk, tax treatment yeah. risk that we're going to have to see. The good news there is I don't think any of that is on the agenda for 2021. I think there are other priorities, right? The infrastructure bill being next, but I fully expect probably 2022 to be the year that real estate gets its uh, focus, if you know what I mean. Yes, yes, I think so. And I, I think we will know, it doesn't sound like they are moving to aggressively try to push for tax code changes in 2021. Yeah. I think yeah. they would have had to already start to kind of probably push it through. Yeah. But I'm thinking in 2022, we'll have a much better feel for what are they working toward and, and what kind of tax changes could impact us. And so we need to be thinking about as we're buying things now, mm -hmm. if, that led, if any of those three, there's kind of like three core pieces to the tax benefits for real estate investors, really four. Okay, so we've got the depreciation benefit. Mm -hmm. So far, we're not talking about that going away. Yeah, I've not, not heard that at all. Yeah. No, but bonus depreciation yeah. starts to phase out. So that yeah. that's one piece of it. In fairness, um, though, exactly. in fairness, that was scheduled to phase out already. That's nothing Biden has done. Correct, correct. Yeah. So I'm just saying, when you look at kind of the tax benefits, depreciation is one. Yep. We're still going to have it. We just may not be able to accelerate it because of the phase out. But the second piece is that the 1031 exchange, which we just talked about, mm -hmm. the other two things are the capital gains rate, which, yeah. which Biden's already said he wants to, to eliminate the, the break points for the long-term capital gains. And he wants to raise income tax at the highest levels to 37%. So there's a potential that you are going from 10 to 15 or 20% gain to 37%. Oof. And then the last one is that stepped up basis. So this oh, is really important. Yeah. And a lot of people don't talk about it, but one of the reasons it's exciting to, to buy real estate 
you build this legacy wealth. And when your children inherit it up to a certain dollar amount that changes every year for the inheritance tax, when your children inherit your property, they basically get your the value that they got it for when you die. That's their new basis. And so they're not having to pay capital gains on on you know you having a zero basis and then you know being whatever it's worth today. So Biden has talked about wanting to eliminate that as well. So we need to be keeping an eye on all four of those you know tax benefits for real estate investors and any proposed legislation that could change that because all of those things could have a big impact on real estate values at least in the the immediate term. Yeah, the stepped up basis one is a sneaky surprise because really what that does in most cases is it forces sales because yeah. the kids can't pay the taxes, right? Not right. most real estate investors, whether whether we like to admit it or not, are cash poor, right? Yes. They're asset rich, but cash poor. So you suddenly pass away, blah, blah, blah. Your kids get it. You got a zero basis. It's worth 2 million. The kids owe 30% of that. They can't find 600 grand to save their life. They got to sell it. And they're probably yes. going to sell it at a discount because they need to, they need to pay the tax man. So yeah. That stepped up basis is is sneaky in how punitive it could be if it's gone. Yes. And and not to get too far off track, but it's one of the reasons it's really important to have life insurance too, Michael. So very wealthy clients um, of ours when I worked at AIG didn't usually buy life insurance because they thought they were worth so much more, right? Mm -hmm. It's because they um, they could be self-insured with their assets, but it's so that the life insurance that ta that passes to their children tax-free um, within certain, you know, limits can be used then to pay the inheritance tax on what they get. So nice. when it comes to real estate, they haven't had to think about their real estate having to be covered by the life insurance. Um, it was just their other assets that needed to pay inheritance tax. Now we would have to think about having more life insurance so that our heirs could pay off, um, you know, pay off the inheritance tax as well as the capital gain on the transfer of any real estate that's transferred. So think about real estate, um, think about life insurance if you're a real estate investor, just for that reason alone to hedge any future potential changes. Awesome advice. I appreciate that. In that, we will close this video. Thanks, Anna.